You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. You will be living a life of exciting faith. Say with me, our God is the God who responds to faith. Now, here you go. One, approach him yourself. Two, believe he is who the Bible says he is. Three, believe he will reward you for seeking him. With a great reward, he will, and it'll come your way. In your faith journey, when's the last time you felt energized? Have you ever felt stagnant in what you're achieving for the Lord? In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that if you want to experience a fresh renewal in your relationship with Christ, you need to never lose sight of what matters most, faith. Without waking up every day and believing that God is who He says He is, you have nothing. Lean into the glorious promises of God and store up your treasures in His kingdom. Never cease seeking after Him. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter 1 as he continues his message, The God Who Responds to Faith. In Matthew 13, in his parable of the mustard seed, Jesus talked about the way that faith should grow. Faith should always be a growing thing. He says, we go by faith to faith, glory to glory, victory to victory. Faith should never remain stagnant. He talked about the way faith should grow, starting out as the smallest of seeds, the mustard seed, but ultimately blossoming into a great tree where others find comfort and shade from the heat. Without faith, says the Bible, it is impossible to please or rightly serve the Lord. You must use your faith. I can personally testify to you today that faith can rewrite your future. Now, I'm gonna tell you, the devil will tell you some things about your future. The devil will tell you you're never gonna amount to anything or because of your mistakes, you can't go anywhere or because of what you've done, God has done with you. And all of them are lies. Faith can rewrite your future. The most powerful thing a person can do to change their life is to put their life in the hands of Jesus and say, Lord, no matter what mess I've made of it, I totally, completely yield to you. And when you do that, faith begins to rewrite your whole future. When you place your faith in God, Jesus said, not one thing will be impossible to him that believes. I want you to hear these words. Nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. Nothing. One man with a demon-possessed boy said to Jesus, I love this story. He came to Jesus. His son regularly threw himself into the fire, threw himself into water, was very self-destructive and suicidal. And the, the man, the father came to Jesus. And here's what he said. He said, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Well, what a statement of faith about Jesus. If you can do anything. And you know what Jesus said? I love this. Jesus said, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. He said, it's not if, of course I can. The question is, do you believe I can? 
One man wrote, faith is like a flashlight. No matter how dark it gets, it'll help you find your way. Think about this. Every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of the handle of anxiety or we can take hold of the handle of faith. How do you live? When you wake up in the morning, do you grab the handle of anxiety and push that plow all day full of fear, full of angst, full of doubt, full of uncertainty, or do you grab the handle of faith and say, everything is possible to him who believes? Prayer is asking God for rain. Faith is picking up an umbrella. I've prayed, here it comes. I like people that are always walking around with umbrellas. What are you carrying that for? Because God's about to rain on me. God's about to rain on me. And I'm expecting it because I've prayed for it. I like umbrella people. I want you to be umbrella people. Walk in here with your umbrella. We're expecting the rain of God. I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. What most people don't realize is faith is not a pill you take. It's a muscle you use. If you don't use your faith, it'll make like a muscle. It'll atrophy and die on you. Truly, with faith, you can use it or lose it. I'm not saying you're going to lose your salvation, but your fruitfulness, your power, your walk with God will all disappear if you don't use your faith. The world says, seeing is believing. Let me see it and I'll believe it. Faith says believing is seeing. Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. It's evidence, proof of things not yet seen. They're there. They're in God's promises, but they haven't arrived yet. But faith sees it. Faith cuts through the fog, cuts through the dark, cuts through what you can't see and says, welcome to that which has not yet arrived. Faith. Can you say it with me? Faith. faith. It's the evidence. If you got faith for something you don't see yet, then it's as good as here. It's as good as here. Because faith sees what your natural eye can't see. Now the Bible teaches that faith is the means by which we obtain the promises of God. Faith is the means. I used to fish. I had a fishing boat. I had a bass boat when I was in East Texas. I really got into it. And, and here's the thing about fishing. This is real basic. This is fishing 101. But you throw that line out there and a fish hits that lure, the only thing keeping you in touch with that fish and that guarantees you ever getting it into the boat is that line. The line brings in the catch. Your faith is the line. You cast it and you grab hold of the promises of God and though they fight and struggle and seem to elude you, you reel them in by the line of faith. By faith, we obtain the promises of God. The Bible says, we don't want you to become lazy, brethren, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. Faith and patience work together. I believe it, it's there, it's mine and God, and I can wait for his timing. I can wait for his timing. 
A lot of people have the faith, but not the patience. And they give up and they create an Ishmael like Abraham did. Abraham had faith, but he didn't have the patience for the timing and he made a huge mistake. Faith and patience, reel it in. Sometimes when you catch a big fish, which I did in the ocean before, took me a couple of hours to get it in. But I finally got it in, fingers bleeding, gut hurting, but shouting glory. Now, the writer gives us two prerequisites to operating in faith. But he begins by pointing something out. He says, let me give you the terms of the agreement. That when you come to me, I'm going to answer you. But here's the terms. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, let me just begin by pointing something out that I didn't see till this week when I was getting this message ready. It begins with a person coming to God alone on their own behalf. They're not expecting somebody else to pray for them. They've decided this is a time in my life when I must come to God and have a meeting with him between me and him alone. So he that comes to God the person in our passage is approaching God alone. He or she who comes to God. So here we got a person coming to God alone in the prayer closet with the door shut on their own behalf and something is on their mind. They need something. They need to hear something. They need to be with him. The passage does not say when someone else comes to God on his behalf. The passage says, he that comes to God himself. So this person is getting serious with God. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have others pray for us or that we shouldn't pray for others. But folks, there are some things only we can come to God for, for ourselves. Let me give you some examples. Our own salvation. He that comes to God must come to him himself if he wants to be saved. How about repentance, forgiveness, to maintain our daily fellowship with him? I do that every day. I go to God alone, me and him, in the prayer closet, to receive a word of personal direction. Just to name a few. We need to go and pour out our hearts before him, between us and him alone. How often are you doing that? How often do you go to God alone? How often do you shut People Magazine, in case you have it, turn off TV, take the phone off a hook, go into a room, shut the door, stop all intrusion, get on your knees and say, God, it's me coming to you in the place of prayer. There's no one else. I need your audience. Once a week, twice a week. See, there ought to be times all the time when we go to him alone. In this respect, faith is like a toothbrush. We should all have one and we should all use it daily, but don't use somebody else's. Ah. Use your own toothbrush and use your own faith. You won't go to heaven on mama's coattails, I promise you. You won't 
go to heaven based on grandma's walk with God, or you won't go to heaven based on the name of a church sign. You will go to heaven because you went to God between you and him alone and said, it's time for me to get right. It's time for me to get to know you. It's time for me to walk with you. Here I am, Lord, in the place of prayer. Then the writer says, secondly, this person that comes to God must believe that he is. Now, I got to believe it means more than just believing that he's there. Because how in the world, why would you even be going to him if you hadn't already decided he was there? So it's, it's talking about more than just must believe that he is there. Here's what I believe it means. It means we must come to him with the confidence, confidence that he is who the Bible says he is. He's the sovereign God, the all merciful God, the prayer answering God. John said, we have this confidence. We have this confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we know we have the petitions we've asked of him. Now notice in that verse, there's two no's, not hope so, maybe so, perhaps so, no so. How do I know I have the petitions I've asked of him unless I believe something about him? He that comes to God must believe that he is that, 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 that we can trust in his word, the promises in his word, his fidelity to his word, his truth, his wisdom, his promises. And if we don't, it's impossible to adequately approach him. You're not going to approach a God that you don't think is going to hear you, that doesn't care about you, that's not listening without this kind of confidence. Here's what we're going to be dealing with all the time. Endless doubts, haltings, and fears, and they'll paralyze us. So here's the terms of the agreement. Faith says he is there. He's a good God. He's pulling for you. He's fighting for you, and he wants to answer you. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. Now, he that comes to God must believe he is who the Bible says he is. That's why I love the word of God. It tells me he's my provider, my healer, my peace, my ever-present help, my redeemer, my savior, my guide, my strengthener. He is my alpha. He's my omega. He's going to be the one that raptures me off this planet. He's coming again, and he's built a place for me in glory. I believe those things about him. Amen. So he that comes to God must believe this. Now, the second thing he says, he's a rewarding God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, I got to tell you, this is not lukewarm Christianity he's talking about. Diligently means this is not a casual seeker. He's not describing somebody that is a casual Christian. It's not a once a week seeker. It's not a, whoops, I'm in trouble again, God. 
seeker who only wants to go to God to get out of trouble. As soon as they're out of trouble, they're away from God again. He's talking about a diligent, 100%, totally committed seeker that he's describing. Diligent means I'm doing something with my whole heart. There is nothing half-hearted about it. God said through Solomon, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart, all your heart. There's almost a desperation to it. I've got to have God. I've got to find God. I've got to come to know him. I've got to press into him. I've got to know him better today than I knew him yesterday. I'm hungry for him, thirsty for him, longing for him, pressing into him. The object of your search has your primary and your utmost attention. I told you last week, I lost my iPhone. I lose things all the time. Older I get, I lose things. I'm just going to admit it to you. I lost uh, my wallet a few weeks ago. Lost my iPhone last week. Both times at the car wash. Now, to make it worse, I had the iPhone turned off. So I couldn't hear the ring. I couldn't, and I knew I wasn't close enough to hear it vibrate. So one thing I knew, I don't know where it is, but he knows where it is. He's looking right at it right now. It's just a matter of me hearing him. But I, I wanted to find it because we're talking about a $400 phone. Now, I didn't pay that for it. I did it on an upgrade. There is nothing like a phone I'm paying $400 for. I don't care if it walks. I'm not paying $400 for it. But I wanted this phone. It had all my addresses, all of my tweets, all of my messages, all these things were in it. So it happened on Saturday afternoon. Well, we have church Saturday night. I've got to be here at six o'clock. I blew in here at six straight up because I've been looking diligently for that phone. I went up to the car wash. The car wash guy comes up to me and says, you again? Because I've been there a couple of weeks before looking for my wallet. I said, you know, I'm starting to feel like an idiot. I lose things. And he said, well, let's look around. Well, nobody had the iPhone. I said, tell me the truth. He said, nobody's got your iPhone. So I came home, looked around, turned over cushions, looked under the couch, looked everywhere that I could find, came to church. In the back of my mind is that iPhone. As soon as church was over, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I didn't rest. I diligently searched for that iPhone. Finally, I stopped and said, God, I know and you know, you're looking right at it. Where is it? And do you know that in a flash, I had a vision. Now, you may not believe this. You may think God doesn't care about your iPhone. If it matters to you, it matters to God. It's really true. So like a flash, I had a vision. That day, I came home from the car wash. I was tired. I was going to take a nap. And I ducked into my study real quick to make a couple of copies of something and set it down where I never leave it. When I had this vision, I jumped up. I said, thank you, Jesus. I went straight down the hall, straight into the room, turned. There it sat with tons of messages from me. I diligently sought for that phone. That's the way we're to seek God. Nothing else is on your mind. Nothing else matters to you more. Everything else fades to black. Everything else fades into the background. 
I must have God. He says, if you look for me that way, I'm going to reward you. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder. Jesus said, ask, keep on asking and it'll be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open. The promise to the diligent seeker is he will reward you. But you've got to believe he's a rewarder. You're not just wasting your time being religious. We have four dogs. I know you can't believe that. I would have 10 if I could. We have four dogs, but here's the deal. Now I'm going to be real honest with you. These dogs know something about me and her. When we eat, we usually eat in the living room. We don't eat around the table. We eat in the living room. We relax. I'm in a chair. She's on the couch. These four dogs go nowhere near her. She got a plate full of food. She's eating. They don't even look her way. But we have taken pictures of all four of them right here in front of me, eyes fixed, tongues hanging. You know why? Because I'm the one they know will reward them if they diligently stare me down. And you know what it is about me? I can't resist the power of the request. They don't even think about her. She's not even there. They come to me because they know. They know. They know. Now, don't any of you vets or pet perfect people come up to me and say you shouldn't feed them table food. They live once, they die. I want them to enjoy life. So I don't, you know, I don't overdo it, but I share with them and I love sharing with them and nothing is going to stop me from sharing with them. So here's the way they look at me, Jehovah Jeff. <laughs> he is my provider. <laughs> and if I just look at him long enough and I'm patient enough and I believe enough, I know something is coming my way and they don't leave upset. That's why you got to look at God. See, God is either going to be like her, sorry, got nothing to give you, or it's going to be like me. Here you go. And that's God. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come on, everybody. He says, I love those who love me and those who seek me shall find me. God told Abraham, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. When you seek the Lord, he may reward you with all kinds of different things. You never know that breakthrough you've needed, that provision you've needed, that peace you've needed, that strength you've needed. But when you say, I believe that he is who the Bible says he is, and I believe he rewards me when I come to him, you will be living a life of exciting faith. Say with me, our God is the God who responds to faith. Now, here you go. One, approach him yourself. Two, believe he is who the Bible says he is. Three, believe he will reward you for seeking him. 
with a great reward. He will, and it'll come your way. Today, we learn from Pastor Jeff that if you want to experience your true purpose, you need to take a leap of faith. Our culture tells us that what's most important is what is tangible. Let the soft voice of the Lord pierce your heart. Live a purpose-driven life through the power of God's perfect grace. Chasing the things unseen can be daunting, but when you let God be the Lord of your life, you'll experience the blessing that you've always desired. You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. We are so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to 817-484-4767 to GIVE. It's easy to get caught up in the rules of religion, whether it causes us to leave the church altogether or put all of our focus on it. More often than not, the rules of religion can bring turmoil. In his next series on the book of Galatians, Pastor Jeff teaches that the sacrifice of Jesus liberates us from the shackles of religion. It's not about the laws or being a perfect rule follower, but instead, let God's grace transform you. Move on from the rules and be set free. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.